Hi, and welcome to the June 26th edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. I'm Richard Lanford, the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. I appreciate you tuning in. This uh, sermon, as the text tells you, is called Don't Look Back. Christian freedom is a huge gift. The sermon is uh, was written with an eye towards uh, Pride Sunday and our open and affirming covenant uh, being reaffirmed. Um, the road be weighed overturning happened when I was almost done with the sermon. So the pastoral prayer really kind of addresses um, in a in a pastoral way that, but I, I make, I think, a few offhanded or maybe not so offhanded references in, in the sermon um, about that because I knew it was on people's minds. So it was a difficult sermon to write because of that, because um, the lectionary scriptures, it was, it was a struggle to get them to a point where I could still address Pride Sunday um, LGBTQIA issues and Christian freedom, um, which I spent some time talking about and why it is a huge gift with uh, more than one layer of, of uh, living it out. So I hope you, I hope you enjoy this message. It is a full lengther, uh, but uh, I hope you find it worthwhile to listen to. And uh, before going any further. Uh, please join me in a, this, the, the spirit of prayer. Holy One, you are with us as we listen. We give you thanks for that. And we ask your spirit to guide our listening and our pondering, our responses and thoughts and our spiritual growth. We give you thanks for the gift of your word and for the great gift of Christian freedom because for freedom Christ has set us free, free to serve one another in love as Christ did for us and for the world. May we hear him speaking to us in the name of Jesus, amen. Pete. Peter Svensson is our lector, and he will be reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, and then 13 through 25, and then the Gospel according to Luke chapter 9, verses, I think it's 52, or 51 through 62. Let's go. Our first reading is an epistle lesson. It is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, and then verses 13 through 25. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love become slaves to one another. 
For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. This ends the reading from Galatians. Our second reading is also our Gospel lesson. As usual, in year C of the lectionary, it comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. This is an important turning point in Luke's version of the Jesus story. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Here ends the reading of the gospel and the scriptures for today's service. Thanks be to God for this, God's holy word. Once, when I was reading parts of the Bible for the first time, this phrase reached out and got my attention. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There is a singleness of direction that's demanded here. There's also the feeling of warning, which Jesus said, which Jesus said such, no one who does put their hand to the plow and looks back is is fit for the kingdom of God, that's severe. And that's probably what got my attention. Once you or I decide to follow him, which is the context of this triplet of conversations in the second part of the Luke reading, Jesus wants us moving, plowing, looking forward. Do not look back. That's not where you're going, as more than one person has said. Looking back, however, can be motivated by wanting to celebrate history, not retreat back to the past. For example, I got an email from our Illinois Conference of the United Church of Christ marking Pride Weekend along this line, saying, and I quote, that 50 years ago, in 1972, a courageous and visionary band of queer leaders in the United Church of Christ with their straight allies founded the UCC Gay Caucus, the forerunner of the open and affirming coalition of the United Church of Christ. Earlier that year, it continues, on June 25, 1972, 50 years ago yesterday, the United Church of Christ made history when William R. Johnson became the first openly gay man ordained to ministry in an historic Christian church. Bill's ordination by the Golden Gate Association of the Northern California Nevada Conference opened doors for a new generation of LGBTQ leaders in our church. Ten years later, it reminds us, on April 25, 1982, Ann Holmes became the first openly lesbian minister ordained in the UCC. The email continued briefly. National ONA Sunday this weekend is an opportunity to give thanks in public worship for Bill and Anne and for all the queer clergy whose gifts have enriched and strengthened the United Church of Christ. Looking back, not going back, is okay for some celebration of the church going forward. As this church voted to adopt our open and affirming covenant in 2018, I'm reminded of the suffering we learned about, some of which I shared in sermons prior to voting. A very active family, choosing to leave a beloved congregation when the new pastor laid down the orthodox line condemning LGBTQ persons, which, unbeknownst to him, includes their teenage daughter. How much more likely, we learn, that, that gay, bi, and trans youth were to commit suicide become homeless, or both. We were reminded of the bullying, the robbing, the intimidating, bashing, and killing of non-hetero and non-binary persons, and the public pulpit demonizing whole categories of people, disinheriting them as if they had the power from feeling and believing that God loves them, and the church is a safe place. 
The value in looking back is in remembering those horrors, celebrating and honoring courageous sacrifices, and calling churches to repentance. Yet one does not want to look back over along, because going forward, if we do that, the furrows plowed will be crooked and unhelpful when the plow is not directed with focus because we're not looking forward. With hands and hearts on the forward-going plow of following Jesus, there is freedom. For freedom, Paul wrote, Christ has set us free. This is a major deal, we gather, since Paul emphasized in the next sentence, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, for you were called to freedom. It is a huge gift from God, this liberty, one you and I are exhorted to hold on to and not exchange for anything lesser ever. We are set free by Christ for freedom. Freedom from, freedom for, freedom to. Many of you have heard me elaborate on some of these in previous sermons. Now to quote UCC pastor Cheryl Lindsay, far too many of God's children need to be freed. The bonds are numerous. In Paul's writing, he emphasizes freedom from the restrictions of the law. This is natural given his background. He had his moment of clarity and transformation through his own encounter of Revelation, referring to the Damascus Road experience in the book of Acts. His actions prior to that moment were driven by a slavish adherence to the law, seemingly without regard to the outcome of his behavior or consequences of his exertions of power. Paul was freed, and having been freed, he sought to help let his people go too. Then Reverend Lindsay recaps how Paul gave his readers sufficient reasons why these possibly Gentile converts to Judaism and then to the gospel should not accept. They should not accept his opponent's arguments that say you need to submit to the slavery of the law first. Since in Christ they have been, what? Freed from the law. But, keeping it real, Lindsay says to us that freedom from the law is not an is not adequate as a defining characteristic of our identity. Oh, those are free from the law. That's them. It lacks content. It's subject to misinterpretations. Is there a way to ID them and us in ways that fit the new orientation that we have in Christ Jesus? Is there something in this freedom by which we identify ourselves and by which others can identify us? Of course there is. We are told we are free, but not free to do whatever and anything we like. That's called libertinism, and Paul had quite a struggle trying to get or trying to keep the Corinthian church away from being too relaxed when it came to ethics and purity as reflections of agape love. No. We know what we heard Peter read. Our freedom is not to be spent on indulgence or spent only on us, but like Jesus, who gave us the gift of freedom, it is the freedom to love without keeping score. For you were called to freedom, 
brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Far too many of God's children need to be freed, right? Freed from a need to try and fix, manage, and control everything, including others around them or us. Freedom to simply love them instead. Listen to them. If help is needed, help them. Free your or my self-centeredness from having to hold on to the reins. Trust God and love. As St. Peter's marks the fourth anniversary of becoming open and affirming this call to freedom, this call to love and serve one another, highlights that being open and affirming is not only about being a safe, welcoming place for all the folks listed in our covenant. It's not just a covenant to recite or a status to lift up. It is a way to be. Warmth cannot be faked. Making eye contact when greeting someone, when greeting guests is important. Opening our arms, even if we are comfortable doing that during COVID, opening our arms to give or receive a hug shows compassion and community. Listening to someone and not being occupied in our minds with coming up with what we're going to say when she, he, or them is done talking, that's good to work on, to listen instead of, what am I going to say when they're done? Hard, easier said than done, but it's something we can do. Especially, going back to our open and affirming covenant, especially given the church in the capital C, the church's history of rejection and condemnation of those who are LBGTQIA, along with often confusion, over those living with mental health challenges. Here is where not just the minister can be pastoral as well as authentic. We're all freed by Christ to be this, receive this, give this, and nurture this. Don't look back. Christian freedom is a huge gift to the church. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This freedom to serve others in love is grounded in our faith in Christ who in love truly served others, the world first, to the bitter end and glorious resurrection. It is a grace gift for us to be able to do this, to do this well on any kind of regular basis, because I don't believe it's human nature. Not for most of humankind. Check human history. It is possible, though, for God's nature to grow more and more within as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit within. We become more free of our egos and more free to think about others. 
Think of the first part of our Luke story. Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem, which means the Lord is going to head towards his death now. They travel through Samaria, unusual for most Jewish people because they were so unwelcome there. Jesus did not let that prejudice against him stop him and them. We're going to go through there. In fact, messengers sent ahead to see if any villages would be kind enough and able to put them up overnight during their trip through this region. No way, Jose, that was the response. Not for a decidedly observant Jewish group headed towards the false city in which to worship God, which they thought Jerusalem was, the false place to do that. They did not receive him, were the words Luke used. They did not receive him, was experienced so gently by the sons of thunder that they asked Jesus if he wanted them to order fire from the sky to burn them up which means they were provoked. I'll bet the Samaritans, when asked, hurled a few colorful adjectives at them. Not appropriate for a pulpit. Jesus, in his servant love for the people of Samaria, rebuked James and John from such violent dreams. He was accepting, and more than accepting, if he would have had the chance, to these Samaritans who thought that he and his followers were really, really wrong when it came to Yahweh, did not return evil for words of evil, sentiments perhaps. No evil was done to them. But don't, you know, he was free to let it run off his back. Let it go. They're mad. Let them be mad. It's too bad. We have a job to do. We can be free as well. We are so free. We may have to nurture love and other fruit of the Spirit in us, but we can let people being cheesed off at us or not liking us, we can let it run off our back in most, if not all, situations. In faith, grounding our freedom in the servant love we know in Jesus, we are empowered over time to be free of obstacles within that stood in the way of our loving like Jesus. As grace shapes our minds and souls, often through study and worship in community, we can be freed. We can be freed from anger directed at people who do not like you or me. We can be liberated from caring about what other people, especially those we do not get along with, what they think about us. We can be free of the fear which comes when we really do take risks to help someone out, like Jesus risked and lost his life temporarily. We are free to let ourselves be inconvenienced, go out of our way to give something up in order to help someone else out, even if that someone is we're not fans of, because for freedom Christ has set us free. And it is Christ in us when you, I, or this church make such sacrifices. It's not about us. Freedom in Christ lets us see that and claim it, even if we occasionally gripe. Because love is not always about feelings. It's about doing. I'm aware that I'm preaching to the choir 
so to speak, being free in Christ to put down our agendas and serve others in love is not exactly a new message here or in Christianity. I also know that the choir, in hearing these words about service and service and service, can need pastoral care. Rest is a biblical practice. When we are free to serve one another in love and make these go, do, you know, go the extra mile, be inconvenienced, and so on in the ways that I've listed up and ways that this congregation lives out on a regular basis, we are also free to take care of ourselves. I used to think in terms of pastoral ministry, and it's not like I've stopped, in pastoral ministry being like a well of water. If you do not replenish what you have as you give it out, you'll run out and not be any good to anybody anymore. Lots of folks here, members and friends alike, work hard and or give generously to this community and this church. And sometimes we get tired. We are free to take time away for our own good and for the good of others. If you or I burn out, we're like, we're like that well that runs dry. For some, words about self-care can be another freedom, a release from control by our ego sometimes. When we say, you know, our roof will not fall down if this does not get done today. God is in control. The world won't end if I'm five minutes late. The world won't end if I'm ten minutes late. Relax a little. If I can't make it, I can't make it. And people will understand. Live by the Spirit, I say. And do not gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let us also be guided by the Spirit. Taking care of yourself when you are serving others in love and serving others in love and serving others in love. Taking care of yourself is an act of love living by the Spirit, too. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of God, the Spirit is God. The fruit of God is peace, patience, gentleness, traits we all need when we are wearing out for a while, or traits we'll get back after that respite. Freedom to serve others in love keeps us busy enough and maybe even has already been this weekend. Let us remember to love enough also take our rest time when we need it as well. Don't look back, even if some things look like they're going to take us back. Don't live there. Don't look back. Christian freedom is about going forward, and it is a huge gift, and that's good news. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of our podcast. Um, I hope you did find some good value from the message. And next week will be Sunday, July 3rd. 
We'll see what the scriptures have for us, but obviously it is the weekend before uh, Independence Day. So we'll see where, where the scriptures and where the Spirit lead us and lead me in preparing for next week's message. And I give you thanks again for listening. Thanks to Peter and to Laura for their roles in bringing this to you. And may God bless you. May God bless our country. And may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.